There's no problem too big or small, no issue too hot or cold, and no subject these gentlemen won't talk about. Let's head into the lab to see what they're working to figure out today. Let's get into it and get down to it. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grombacher. Joining me, as always, is Centauri Miner. Hello, folks. Helping us move from awareness to action today is Mr. Brian Bogert. He's a passionate human behavior and performance coach. He's a speaker, a business strategist, working with growth-minded individuals, helping them achieve the best possible versions of themselves, which is their most authentic selves. Welcome, Brian. Well, I'm happy to be here. Thank you, Centauri. How close do you how close do you think you're you you are to living your most authentic self? Oh, that's wow. That is not the question I thought you were going to ask. Um, I would say like very close. I think I do live my authentic self. I always tell people that you either because I do live my authentic self, you either really really like me or you really really dislike me, and I feel like that's super authentic. So you're kind of a binary. What does your person? authentic self mean to oh, you? Yes. Gosh. Um, what is my authentic self? I did not anticipate this question. Uh, you know, living your uh, your morals and values very publicly, and not being afraid and being unabashed in what you believe. So, doing essentially doing you without caring about what others think about that. What do you think about that, that Brian? <laughs> I I, th- I think for yeah, uh, Sari's ability to bob and bob and weave around topics, he did a really good job coming up with an answer that he'd never thought about before. Wow, that's so nice. <laughs> nice, I loved it. Well, so Centara, that's twice you said. Well, I didn't see that question coming. What What did you think we were going to be talking about today on the podcast? Oh no, I thought you were gonna, since Brian and I are good friends. I thought you were going to ask me a question about Brian. That's that's it. Oh, okay. <clears throat> well, fair enough. Centara, what's what? What do you admire most about Brian? Oh, publicly. Um, God, you, did, you didn't I, see that question coming either. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know what to do here. <laughs> um, Apparently, uh, Centauri is just in a state of shock today. It is. <laughs> uh, what I admire most about Brian. Um, well, I, I think maybe I should qualify this. I, no, no, no. We, no, we, no. We, we were talking about uh, drinking and, and, and bars about 30 seconds before we started, so I think I just flustered him. <laughs> Uh, I actually do have a good answer for this. I think what I admire about Brian is that he's very honest and candid with his feedback to folks. So while you might even be a friend of his, he's very, very thoughtful in saying, like, get your shit together. Or I see this and it might be a negative thing or a positive thing, but he's always there to really give you the things like the tough love that most people won't. So I do admire that about him. Awesome. Oh, thanks, buddy. <clears throat> well, Brian, we're super excited to have you. Um, I think that I, I know that this is such a, an important conversation. It's a really, really hard conversation. Um, it's a, a really, I think, a popular topic these days. So to be able to, to sort of dig down and to sort of answer these questions, if, if you're listening and you've never asked yourself the question, what does it really mean to be to live an authentic life, or really, what's who who, who are you authentically? Um, perhaps, perhaps that's what we'll be able to help people do today. I think that sounds incredible. Uh, yeah, I'd love I'd, I'd love to dig in. Uh, I'm excited to be with you guys. And Centauri, that was a meaningful answer. I'm happy you pulled another thing out of the <laughs> out of the place the sun don't shine. That was beautiful. Thanks. Happy, I, you know, it's 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 if I have to spin things for a living. You know, I'm excited to have you on, and I'm excited for you to share your uh, your wisdom with everyone. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. 
I was gonna take another jab at Centauri, but I think I'll just I think I'll just move no, on. No, we should probably just go move into let's this. Just, let's just move on to the actual <laughs> content portion of 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 the podcast. All right, so so Brian, how how long have you been concerned or thinking about uh, noodling, pondering on this idea of 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 helping people live authentically, or or how about you? How about how did you? come to start having those internal conversations with, 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 with yourself. Yeah. So, uh, I'm going to start kind of at the beginning and what led to it. And then there's a big period of my life that I really focused on, um, representing my true self, my authentic self, who I really am to the world. And candidly, it's just a process that continues to evolve. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll start with the, the personal story that really, uh, had me living very inauthentically for a very long time. Uh, you know, for a lot of you who have known me, listened to me, um, Centauri knows this story. Uh, and George, when I was on your podcast, we got the chance to share it. But uh, when I was seven years old, I was run over by a truck and my left arm was completely severed from my body. Reattached, uh, I had 22 surgeries and a whole bunch of uh, recovery that took place after that. And, you know, there was really two primary lessons that I extracted from that. Um, but I'll tell you how those connect in a second. Uh, but one is I learned not to get stuck by what had happened to me, but get moved by what I could do with it. And the second is I learned to embrace pain to avoid suffering, which I, I know we'll get into a little bit later in the discussion. Uh, but truthfully, there was a whole lot of that next period of my life where because it was such a unique injury, because it was so uh, audacious and unheard of and it was reattached and I lived happy and healthy and productive, you know, there was a whole lot of eyes on me and I didn't really want to be the center of attention and I didn't want to be the victim. I didn't want people to feel sorry for me. And I also learned very quickly uh, the startled looks and reactions when people asked me what happened to my arm and I told them the story. And 90% of the time people didn't believe me. They were like, oh yeah, whatever. You fell off a, a, you know, a swing set or something. And my mom would always have to support it. So, you know, I really got to the point where um, people had expectations, they had beliefs, they had limits on what they thought I was capable of. And I just kind of lived my life to break beyond those boundaries. And what happened, though, as a result of that is I always focused a lot more on other people. And I really kind of put unintentionally, and I was unaware of it for a very long time, a wall up. And that wall was basically a narrative that I'd created to the world that I'm good, I'm strong, I've got this, I don't need anybody's help, I can conquer anything I set my mind to. And oh, by the way, I did for a very long time. I mean, I relearned how to do a lot of things with one arm as, as primary that many can't do with two arms. Uh, and I, I just really enjoyed being able to shatter those expectations. Um, but what happened is when I was 20, I, I, I was snowboarding and I rebroke my arm, rebroke my arm snowboarding, com compounding fracture, uh, went through seven surgeons who <laughs> were afraid to touch me, uh, and finally ended up landing on one that decided that he was brave enough to, to, to go about reattaching my bones so that I could get back to life after 10 months. Uh, and during that period of time, it became very, very apparent that the world bought into the narrative I'd created for myself, one that I'm not even sure I believed. And so when I needed people the most, they weren't there. Uh, and so one of the big pieces that really caused me to go introspective at that time and really start to focus on authenticity uh, was the fact that nobody was there because they bought into the narrative I'd created for myself. Well, that wasn't my most authentic self. I was vulnerable. I did have weakness. I did have doubts. I did have fears, just like all of us do. But up until that moment, right, like it was always presented like I didn't none of those things existed in my world. So that next period of my life, uh, George, really started to focus on human connection. Uh, and and part of human connection is really vulnerability and authenticity and being able to show up and be where your feet are and be who you are in every single place that you show up in. 
you know, I think we often play, you know, Centauri is another perfect example. This isn't picking on him. It's just true. Centauri is in multiple different worlds. He's on multiple different boards. He's in multiple different groups of people. Uh, professionally, he's across the country. There's roles and situations sometimes that I'm sure he feels the pressure he needs to play in whatever environment that he's in. Um, and, and maybe not because he just said he thinks he lives very authentically to himself in, in most capacities. But but the reason I used him as an example is because lots of us have multiple roles. I had multiple roles. And and so one of my goals became how do I show up as exactly who I am, be as real, authentic, humble, um, and encouraging in every single world that I show up in. And so I would tell you that this journey began when I was 20 uh, when I had the realization that the power of our narratives uh, really craft how the world sees us and the power of our actions craft how the world sees us. And so I really went into a place of high awareness and high intentionality to really try to become who I already was. And what I realized, part of being authentic wasn't about adding things into my world. Part about being successful wasn't adding things into my world. It was actually shedding layers shedding layers of crust, shedding layers of things that I didn't want the world to see, shedding layers of what the world told us we should should be. And so over the course of this last period of my life, that's what I've focused heavily on because the less layers I have, the less weight I carry, the more I can be me. Nice one. I, I love all that. There's a lot of really good stuff there. Um, I, I've been I've been doing a, a, a lot of, of I, I guess, work on myself over the past couple of years. And... I resonate with a lot of what you said, and there's this idea out there that we were born perfect, and the world just piles stuff onto us and piles stuff onto yeah. us, and it seems like I've just been trying to do what what it is you've been describing over the past couple of years is just shed those different things and really get back to, which kind of sounds dumb as I'm about to say it, just how 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 I was born and really try to find that person. I don't think it's dumb at all. I mean, anybody who has kids knows the raw authenticity that mm. comes out from the second they're born, right? I mean, I look at the fire and the joy in my kids' eyes and the fascination and the awe about just life in general, right? And how often are we as parents in the way saying, well, don't do that or you're not supposed to do that or you should do this, right? And we just start confining and compartmentalizing who their natural selves are into this box that the world defines as okay, and, you know, that's something that I've been very intentional with with our kids. And by the way, I'm probably still screwing it up, um, but I'm <laughs> trying very, very hard to make sure that our kids know that who they are is perfect. Right. And that doesn't mean that they don't have areas to grow, that they don't have areas to improve, but that that that, that who they are at their heart, what makes them happy, what makes them excited. Like they should never have to uh, they should never be in a position to have to hide any of that because of what the world tells us is appropriate or who we should be. Um, and this, by the way, goes into a whole different piece. I'm sorry, you got, I, I just said the word should and it reminded me, you know, should is, is a word that a lot of people don't realize is actually a word that's based in shame, right? And because what, what it's doing is it's implying that whatever we're doing isn't good enough, right? And so I don't, I don't my wife and I don't work, use the word should. I, I can't say don't as definitively as I just did because I'm sure that I still mess up and say it sometimes. But as a large general whole, we're intentional to not use the word should with our kids. Instead, we replace it with the word could or would so that if they're in a scenario, instead of saying you should do this or you shouldn't have done that, we can reframe the question around what could you have done differently? Um, because it's just a completely different mentality when they feel that they've got a sense of empowerment to make the decision versus being shamed for something that they did potentially that was damaging to other people or might not be culturally appropriate. 
But George, you're spot on, man. I love that quote because the reality of it is we're born perfect. The world shapes us into what molds it creates for society and people and what's appropriate. And that's typically what takes authenticity away. Yeah. <clears throat> and I'm certainly responsible for for a huge chunk of it as well. You know, it's like chicken to the egg. You grow up in different situations. You grow up rich. You grow up poor. You grow up in abusive or loving family. All, all these different scenarios are going to, you know, be that outside influence, which is going to cause you to change your thinking and, and change your behaviors. Um, and you, you mentioned, Brian, it's like the, the stories we tell ourselves through narratives. It's, it's, it's the actions that we take. It's the situations we put ourselves in. So is being your authentic self, it, it's really all of those things, right? And it's not a static thing either, right? Is, is every day like a new snapshot of, of George and this is who I am and it might be a little different tomorrow as I learn? I think you're exactly right. I think it's an evolution. I think at the core, you know who you are, right? So when you think about the things that are most important to you and you think about, you know, what really serves you in your life, what makes you happy, what makes you fulfilled, what brings you joy, you know, what are the things that you really want to leave as a part of your legacy or impact on this world, right? Those are all things that are guardrails to help continue to evolve and, and drive you towards growing as a person based on who you already are. But the reason I say I help people become who they already are is because, again, it starts with shedding those layers. Once you're authentically who you are, that person can grow and develop along the lines that are in alignment with who you are and in alignment with the things that you want to accomplish. Um, and it is. It's a daily practice. Uh, and I'll tell you right now, the day that I wake up and I think I've got it all figured out might as well be the last day of my life because uh, that's that's not what it's all about. Right. It's all it's all about growing, learning, uh, getting more perspective uh, and finding a way to have greater impact on this world in the limited time we have here. Brian, um, and, and you, the, the piece that you talked about, about shedding layers is a really cool uh, analogy. And I want to know what's been the most difficult part for you in that. And then the folks that you work with, where do you find people really like trip up or have hard times really getting to the place where they're vulnerable? I want to hear about you and then some of the folks that you work with. Yeah. So, you know, what's interesting, um, I, I can't say that this applies across the board for every one of my clients, but I would tell you that as a large whole, at least three quarters of them suffer from this, the same thing in some capacity. Um, and by the way, it's, it's, it's shame. Um, now that does not mean I'm a shame expert by any means. And that's not, not necessarily saying that that's the, the core of my work, but there is a, a, an underpinning to shame, shaming in our society that affected me for a very, very long time. Um, and, and so I'll, I'll kind of unpack that a little bit for myself and then how that's translated into my work with people. You know, I told you guys before about kind of my evolution and human connection and those types of things. The part I left out, uh, is, is really this, the next phase that happened after that. A few years back, I was having some more health issues, uh, was having cognitive dysfunction, a bunch of fatigue, and I couldn't figure it out. And every single doctor and specialist I went to told me I was perfectly healthy. Um, I finally landed on it with an endocrinologist that, uh, that discovered that I've got a very rare and extreme case of growth hormone deficiency. And so we were able to supplement with growth hormone and get that fixed. But that really rattled my sense of self because as I'm sure you can hear uh, just talking to me and the two of you have had the opportunity to spend some time with me, right? My energy and my intellect are two things that are a huge part of who I am. Um, and so it really rattled my sense of self. Well, as I was recovering and going through this, uh, I, I have a very vivid memory from a couple of years ago where um, I, I experienced joy for the very first time in my life, um, like pure joy. And it brought me to tears. 
and I'm not someone that necessarily feels emotion typically. And I'm not someone that, that normally would cry. And there's absolutely no shame in it. It's just not typically how I've expressed my emotion. Uh, what I said early in the call is, is that when I shut off physical pain, I shut off emotional pain. And I didn't realize that, frankly, until a few years back. So once I realized that if I wasn't experiencing pure joy, even though I'd had happy moments in my life, I clearly wasn't experiencing pain in its full extent either. And that began a whole process of recognizing that I had been compartmentalized from an emotional perspective. I wasn't feeling things too big and I wasn't feeling too, things too little. And then it led to a process of really being able to identify that shame was something that played a big role in my life. And what most people don't understand is most people identify with the traditional definition of shame, right? Which is I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. It's about who they are versus the thing they've done. And although I've been impacted by that a little bit, that wasn't the narrative that really struck with me, which is why shame didn't jump out as a, as an overarching thing for me in my life. Uh, after researching it more and find, stumbling on Brene Brown and some of her work, what I discovered is that first narrative is where most people sit. But when people shut that down and they show up in the arena and they're ready to go to battle, the second narrative of shame is, who do you think you are? And so I, for a lot of my life, I've, I've done a lot of really cool, big things in my life. I told you I like to shatter expectations and break beyond boundaries. But 95% of what I've done in my life, nobody knows about because I haven't told anybody. And that's not about self-promotion. That's just literally every time I've done something major, for whatever reason, I felt the need to apologize for it. And so I had to unpack what shame was in my life and go through that process because shame was holding me back. It was holding me back from taking even bigger actions. It was taking, it was holding me back, frankly, from chasing my own passion and purpose on this planet, which is what I'm doing with human behavior and performance coaching and speaking, and really being able to help the world alleviate some of the suffering that we're experiencing and achieve freedom and fulfillment. It was shame that was holding me back from doing that. That same thing exists in one way or another with almost all of the high performers I work with. I typically work with executives, entrepreneurs, high performing salespeople, C-suites of large organizations. And inevitably, I think shame plays a role, like I said, in probably three quarters of the people that I work with in one of the two narratives. Um, and so we've got to really understand the root cause. Like, what are the emotional triggers that are taking place that, that cause us to go into that self-defeating spiral of shame? What elements in our lives are actually shaming us? And, you know, the mind processes 11 million bits of information per second, but we're only consciously aware of about 40. So what that says is that we're largely led by the unconscious and we are really products of our conditioning and patterns in our life. Emotional triggers are one of those things. And shame plays a big underpinning in this. And so we go through a systematic approach of really be, being able to move that unconscious to the conscious because what we're unaware of, we can't control. But what we become aware of, we can start to gain some intentionality and control back in our lives um, and break free of some of those shackles. So shame is a big one. Um, Self-worth, which happens to be somewhat connected to shame, is also there. Uh, but I think shame is the ultimate wolf in sheep's clothing because it hits you on both sides and you're not, you know, it's not something that's easy to escape. Um, but a lot of the work that I do with these individuals really, really gets them to go deep inside. And we really start to look at the patterns and behaviors in our lives and how are those serving where we actually want to go? And do I have ultimate clarity on what I actually want to do? And let's forget about the shoulds that the world tells me I need to be, or the roles that the world tells me I need to be. What do I really want to do? And then we create a systematic approach to create that life of alignment for those individuals. So hopefully that answered your, your question, Centauri. I, uh, I know that for me, that was a big piece holding me back, uh, both from the actions that I took, but really from being my most authentic self. Um, and shame has been connected to a lot of areas in my life. And it just happens to be that that's also a very typical one for clients. 
Wow. Brian, thanks for sharing. And I, 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 as if you note anything off the top of your head, where would you think you'd route someone and learn more about um, this idea of shame and how it might play into your life? Are there any particular resources or influencers? Yeah, I, I, I think Brene Brown, hands down. Okay. Brene Brown is hands down, I think, the world's best um, shame researcher. Um, she she has a lot of resources on shame, the roles that shame plays. Uh, she's done podcasts on shame. She's done articles and books on shame. Um, and so I think that people, that that's a great place to start if they just really want information. Um, but but next to that, I think there's a lot of, of experts uh, that, that really have understood the concept, understood the concept in their own lives and the roles of other lives. And so there are people that you can tap into, um, people you know, like Brian some coaches and, and <laughs> people like Brian Bogert. Yeah, there you go. That wasn't, that, that actually wasn't a shameless plug, but, uh, but yeah, uh, I mean, honestly, nice. there's, there's, there's a lot of individuals and experts, uh, in our, in our state alone and across the country that can really help people unpack this. And shame is just one of the many primary emotions that I think gets in people's way which is why I use it as an example. But, you know, there's a lot of those things. You just got to uncover the patterns. For sure. Is is that akin to what, what you were talking about, that that question, who do you think you are? Is that is that akin in some way to imposter syndrome? So it, it can be. Um, imposter syndrome, as I understand it, and, I, and I'm not the expert, but imposter syndrome, as I understand it, is that you feel fake or feel like you're showing up um, in a role that you don't necessarily identify with yourself to be. So that imposter syndrome is like, you actually discredit your own amount of success versus I think the shame lens on that is you recognize what it is. You're not struggling with the worth. You believe it, you have the confidence, but there's something about how you've been conditioned that you literally feel ashamed for those actions. And so, um, you know, and when I say I felt the need to apologize, for the big things that I did in my life, that's that's the shame because, uh, and you know, I'll just tell you, I mean, the reality of it is for me, uh, whenever I would do something big, for whatever reason, I would feel badly about it because somebody else might not be capable of it. They might not have the same mm. opportunity. They might not, they, they, they might not have the same network. They may not have the same timing sure. or, or, or entering into the world. So there were variables that I almost discredited what it was and felt badly that um, that I was having some elements of success and, and, and I felt like I couldn't be proud without coming across as arrogant or bragging. And that's like the people who know me, I think will tell you, I mean, I have a strong personality, but one thing I'm not is, is arrogant to the point that like, I'm going around the world bragging about all these things. And so I've always walked that line very delicately. I think imposter syndrome Again, it's a different lens on it. It's yeah. actually like you don't feel like you're supposed to be in the role that you're in. Got it. And when you sit there, you you don't necessarily have the belief or confidence that you can continue on that path. Again, I don't know that to be fact. That's just my understanding of it. So if, if listeners understand imposter syndrome better than I do, uh, by all means, feel free to correct. I'd, I'd love to continue to learn more on that path as well. And I, I appreciate that clarification, and that, that that definitely makes sense. I think that what you described is accurate about imposter syndrome. That's that's my understanding of it. Um, so, did that cause you then just just to play small and just to kind of keep yourself small, as opposed to stepping into the yeah the absolutely. leadership? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Now, I mean, you know, Centauri's known me. I mean, I when I when I go and I do something, I go all in, and so I do. I always shoot for the stars with anything that I do. But I think it it did it it made me stay in a box. Mm. It made me not go out and do some of the, you know, audacious mm. things that I might have done otherwise, because somebody might be like, again, who do you think you are? Like, who do you think you are to go 
do what you just did. And oh, by the way, I just went through a major transition that uh, fortunately I'd already unpacked shame, but I got that exact answer, right? I mean, shit, I was a part of building, pardon my language, uh, I was a part of building a, an office from nothing to over 15 million in revenue in the span of a decade. And I just executed my buy sell and left my partnership so that I can go chase my coaching business. Well, from the outside, do you know how many people looked at me and they're like, you, you've built this, you've got great income, you've got a great life, you've got great livelihood, you, like, you, you're connected, you've got these things. Why, like, why would you do that? Who do you think you are? And believe it or not, I actually had somebody in my life when I did it who said, who said to me, point blank, you know, there's thousands of coaches out there that are, you know, a lot of them really, really successful and more talented and more skilled than you. Like, what makes you think you're going to be successful? That was literally wow. what they said to me. And I was like, and, and my response was, because I know I've got everything I need and yeah. whatever I don't, I'll find a way to learn it, right? Like, that's not, it's not an arrogant or misguided approach. It's just, I know what I believe in. And I believe that if I chase my passion, if I chase the stuff I believe in and I chase what I think I'm put on this planet to do, money's never going to be an issue. So who cares what I'm walking from? What I'm really doing is running towards something. That's right. But our world gives us all these shoulds on what, what is appropriate. And, you know, I was living the American dream and I'd reached this pinnacle of success and have been earning great money and blah, 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 blah. So a lot of people can't, I mean, it literally broke people's brains when I told them I'm walking away from this to go chase this. Um, you know, I think that's the shaming. I mean, I was, there was people that were trying to shame me into not chasing what I believed in. Um, I, I really want to, they couldn't wrap their own head around it. I want to take this opportunity to give Centauri an opportunity to apologize to Brian for saying that to him. Yeah, he okay. was, that was hurtful. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, you didn't. You didn't, all, Centauri. Actually, Centauri, Centauri was a big support the whole way. Just to just to clarify for the world, Centauri was a big supporter. He's been a big believer in the work that I've done, and uh, so yeah. But he's just you know, as you guys can all tell, listening, we just love to give Centauri a hard time. That 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 that, that that's absolutely correct. Thanks, guys. Well, Brian, I I am. I'm certainly grateful uh, in the short time that I've I've known you and and I've met you. I I found you to be incredibly thoughtful and articulate communicator. Um, so, I guess how how does somebody get started with doing this? And what do you refer to it in a certain way? Is it going through this process? Is it doing work? Is it how 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 do you describe this? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say it in two, two ways, because I think that, um, you know, there's, this is obviously what I do professionally. So there's, there's portions of my process that I I'll talk about, but I think if somebody's not in a position to actually hire a coach, if they're not in a position to go get outside help, um, for whatever reason, right. Financial time commitment, geographic, whatever, it doesn't matter if they're not in a position to do it. Um, I would just really challenge people to get very focused on what's important to them. I think we, you know, we all got knocked out of autopilot a couple of months ago and we, we literally got out of our mm. standard patterns. And so we've had an opportunity to legitimately take back control and fly our own plane instead of be on autopilot and start to take toll on the things that were additive to our lives and start to take toll on things that were really not additive and were actually destructive or toxic or taking away or even the neutral things like take toll of those things and get really, really clear on those and then start to go through a systematic approach of understanding what is it that I really want for my life? You know, one of the primary lessons that I teach, and I said it to you guys earlier, is this idea of embrace pain to avoid suffering. Um, and so I'll give a couple of examples of that. And then I, I, I do have a free resource for some folks that uh, I think could be helpful on this path. Um, but, you know, people can embrace the pain of going to the gym, you know, 30 minutes a day to avoid aches and pains and suffering of a sedentary lifestyle. People can embrace the pain of having a difficult conversation with their spouse 
right? To avoid the suffering of a loveless marriage that might end up in divorce when that's really what they want because their ego got in the way. Or the alternative, they avoid having a difficult discussion and suffer because they're in a marriage that they don't want to be in, right? People can embrace the pain of firing their brother-in-law in their business to avoid the suffering of the toxicity and the culture that, that they're contributing to, right? And this, this is true of everything. We can embrace the pain of you know, the, the fit that our kid is sure to throw when we ask them to put down their mobile device to avoid the suffering of missed meaningful conversation and the years and time that we'll never get back. And so what it's really about is helping people to start acknowledge the suffering that they wish to avoid, which is the counter to getting clear on what's really important. What do I want to accomplish in my life? What's the impact I want to leave? What's the legacy? Who am I? Who do I need to be to fulfill these things? Right. And then secondarily, we've got to learn, to, we, we basically have to um, find the pains that we need to embrace and integrate them in our lives. And so, you know, this is one of those things too, that it's just getting ultimate clarity on, on what is it that, that is additive and what is not right. And what's keeping us, uh, from our path to success. Cause this isn't about putting ourselves into unnecessary pain. It's about identifying the necessary pains on our path to success and growth. So a great example is right. I'll just use another gym example, right? Is it the actual working out in the gym or the anxiety of being in that crowded environment that's keeping you in that self-defeating pattern of not actually making yourself better and more healthy. So understand like, what are the environments? What are the things that are gonna be additive in your life that you can actually put yourselves in those environments for success to embrace the pains that are necessary to drive to where you need to go? And then you have to learn to establish this as a habit in every area of your life. You know, I think the world tells us to reduce, eliminate, or avoid pain. And I'm telling you the world is wrong. We have to learn to embrace it as a pathway to our success because if we embrace pain, we avoid suffering. But the best part about it is if we gain freedom because we get to be who we already are and we get to live the way that we want to live if we make those difficult decisions. And so um, the free resource that I have for folks is actually the last couple of pages of the coaching playbook that I developed uh, that my coaching course is based off of, that my one-to-one -one coaching is based off of, and the philosophy is really, really ingrained. Um, the course is No Limits course. Uh, the playbook is the No Limits playbook. And the free resource is the No Limits Prelude. So it's a starting point for people to really understand what are the categories I really need to take toll on? How do I really look at my life in a multi-year vision and in the next annual theme in the 12 months and my quarterly emphasis in the next 90 days? And how do I still that down into daily disciplines and those pains that I can identify and turn into every day? Because again, it's our actions that demonstrate who we are to the world. And so this is uh, nolimitsprelude.com. Um, and anybody who's listening, right, whether you're super clear and have it totally figured out on who you are, you're, you're completely stuck and have no idea where to begin, or you're somewhere in between, this resource will be valuable to you. Uh, so I would encourage all the listeners to go download that. And again, it's completely free. Um, and then if there's other things that, that we or I can do to help, by all means, just, just tap into us as a resource. But that's what I would really challenge people to do is just, just start to look inward uh, and get clarity on what's important and recognizing that all else becomes noise. And if you need help, uh, this isn't a promotion to me. There are a lot of people who can help you navigate this type of journey. Um, I've got coaches in six different areas in my life, um, areas that I'm not an expert, areas that I need help and support, areas that I need accountability and pushing. Um, and I, so I'm a big believer that the best in this world get coached. Um, you know, Centauri, hopefully you don't mind me sharing this on, on here. But I mean, I know that you've gone to therapy for years. That's a form of coaching. That's another resource yeah, to help you get better. Right. And so that's that is a, that's another tool that people can use. Uh, to get super clear on these things. And so uh, I think there's lots of resources, but but hopefully that helps answer your question, George. Yeah, no, I very much appreciate that. And and I really wanna really wanna give Centauri props for for embracing pain to avoid suffering because a lot of people don't know that he used to be really, really overweight. And so he 
made the decision and uh, did everything that that he, he has to uh, to to be the fit person that you see today on social media. Great, you're great you're sharing my fat kid story. <laughs> I feel like it's been I feel like it's been a lot I'm of episodes. <laughs> but but I actually see that as a huge compliment. And oh by the way, to my to my even sharing with the world that you go to therapy. I mean, you're embracing the pain of putting in the work in therapy to avoid the suffering of not having stability from a mental health and emotional standpoint. So, I mean, George's comment is accurate. Like you're embracing the pain to avoid suffering in areas of your life right now, Centauri. And that's, For sure. um, that's the thing is, is so many people don't take those actions. I think it's uh, and I, I've been very candid about like yeah my 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 journey with with therapy and I'm I'm always the first one to say that to your point Brian if you if you can afford it if you can make it work my therapist has been so invaluable in just my journey and um, I encourage anyone who's listening to try to try to figure out what that looks like for their lives too yeah amen um, and certainly I Brian I appreciate everything you just said and making available a resource like this for people I think is is such an important thing because we just had this like a a half hour conversation about all these pretty heavy things and if you were just to if we were just to to stop the show right now without having given them some kind of a resource or a starting point or a roadmap it's like okay that was great it sounds important but I don't know where to start. You know, it's too much. I, I can't wrap my brain around that. So it sounds like this is a pretty actionable thing. Yeah. I, I mean, it's designed to be that way. And, you know, obviously it's uh, it's just dipping the toe in the water and there's a whole lot of other resources and support that's behind it. But, uh, but it was important to me to create mm-hmm. a free resource because I had so many people in my life asking me questions and if we could help and what we could do. And not all of them could necessarily afford our services or some of the things that we've done, which is also why we've designed this self-led course and this group course so that there's options for people to engage if they buy into the philosophy and really want to start living a life with no limits uh, and really going after what they want. So I developed this solely for that reason, George. So thank you for saying that. Is It's just I wanted to be able to have something that I could give someone that's at least a starting point that gives them some direction to start realizing where are areas that would be beneficial for me to spend time focusing and thinking through in my intrinsic process so that I can then start designing my life the way I want to. I love it. Centauri, what else? Uh, No, I think Brian, thanks for coming on and sharing your wisdom. It's been obviously great being friends with you over the years and hearing more about your journey and um, kudos to the new venture and good luck. And thanks for sharing everything with our listeners. Well, thank you for the opportunity and thank you guys for continuing to put good into the world. And I know that anybody who listens and follows you is going to benefit from it. And I'm just humbled for the opportunity to be with you. So. Yeah. Well, you're very welcome. Give us the website one more time. Yeah. It's, uh, free resources, no limits, prelude.com. Uh, and if anybody's interested in following me or seeing any of the other content that we've got out there, it's very, very simple. It's Brian Brian with an I and Bogert, B-O-G-E-R-T.com. Uh, we'd be happy to be here as a resource for anybody that we can help. Perfect. Excellent. Well, thanks as always for listening. Go to nolimitsprelude.com. Go to brianbogert.com. Check out all the great resources and get started on all this work. And as always, keep questioning because the struggle is real. On behalf of Centauri and I, thanks as always for listening. Please subscribe to the show. Leave us a review and feel free to share the show on social media. Thanks a lot.